Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. An Audio Original. It's the 10th of September, 2013. Belinda Walter is sitting in her office in Pretoria, north of Johannesburg. It's a normal day. Or as normal as they get when you live the kind of life that Belinda's been living. She is, after all, a spy. What happened that day is pieced together from several sources. It's a partial account, a jigsaw, where some of the pieces are missing. As far as we know, nothing out of the ordinary or strange has happened. No WhatsApps from private agents looking for confidential information. No secret meetings in expensive hotels. What happens next seems pretty ordinary too, at first. Her mobile phone rings, and it rings, and rings. It's an unknown number. Belinda has no idea who, or what, might be on the other end of the phone. Belinda answers the call, presses the receiver to her ear. On the other end of the line is a whistleblower. We don't know if it's a man or a woman. They tell Belinda they have information to give her about the tobacco industry. They have secrets to spill. They want to help. And they're waiting for her downstairs. They tell her to meet them in the car park. She heads down to the lobby and out of the building to find a man and a woman. The man is tall, heavy set, and balding. His left arm is in a sling. The woman next to him is wearing a dark T-shirt. Her blonde hair is slicked back, thick, dark roots showing through. Belinda steps forward to introduce herself. The woman steps forward to meet her and punches Belinda in the face. Belinda's hurt, but not badly. It's the shock more than anything. She doesn't go to the hospital. She'll later say that she has no idea who attacked her or why. The two suspects, who were captured on CCTV, are never tracked down or apprehended. There are no leads. Belinda is on her own, in a sometimes violent world where it's easy to make enemies. It's eight months since she met with the POM in London, who recruited her as a spy for British American Tobacco, or BAT. And now she's feeling vulnerable. She needs an exit strategy. Or at least, that's what she claims. Belinda's been hard to get to speak to in our investigation. We have to dig through the documents that she left behind to try to work out her side of the story. This is her version of events, as far as we've been able to work out. So, what do you do when you find yourself tangled in a web full of spies? And who do you turn to for help? 
I'm Victoria Hollingsworth from the Bureau of Investigative Journalism. This is the story of how British American Tobacco, one of the world's largest companies, came to be involved in widespread espionage, enlisting a network of spies and informants. BAT say all of this was simply an attempt to help law enforcement uncover illegal activity, like cigarette smuggling and tax avoidance. They deny that it was ever intended to give them a competitive advantage over their rivals. We were never meant to know about any of this, but the reason we do is because of one woman, Belinda Walter. Just as a reminder, Belinda was an attorney representing BAT's competitors, small companies struggling in BAT's shadow. Last week, we heard how she was recruited by BAT to spy on these smaller rivals. Her story will help us unlock just how far the tobacco giant was prepared to go to help protect their share of a South African tobacco industry worth £1.5 billion. You're listening to Smokescreen, Episode 2, Agent 5332. I do hereby make oath and state that I am an adult female director and practicing attorney of Belinda Walter Attorneys Incorporated. I am an admitted attorney of the High Court of South Africa. The facts contained in this are, to the best of my knowledge and belief, true and correct. This is an unsigned witness statement prepared in April 2015 to set out Belinda Walter's account of what had taken place. This was more than two years after she was recruited by BAT. The voices and actors, but these are the words in that document. The statement starts with a bit more about her life. I am currently 41 years old. I have been divorced since 2003. I've been involved as an attorney in the tobacco industry in one way or another since 2009. I believe I have an extensive and sophisticated knowledge of the tobacco industry, especially in the sector of the market dealing with what are known as value brand or cheap cigarettes. I similarly have experience and knowledge of the unique relationship between persons within state agencies and British American Tobacco. The unsigned statement details how and why Belinda came to be a spy for BAT. It provides page after page of documentation to back it all up. Receipts for flights taken and bookings, cash withdrawal on her Travelex card paid to her by BAT, coded WhatsApps between her and her shadowy handlers. I'm providing this regarding particularly my historical relationship with British American Tobacco UK, BAT, for the purpose of seeking immunity in the event that aspects of the relationship are found to be unlawful and to provide a full disclosure in order to finally close this chapter of my life. A signed witness statement or sworn statement, known as an affidavit, can be used in support of possible court or regulatory proceedings. Over more than 25 pages, the document describes what happened and the laws Belinda thinks may have been broken. On the face of it, it's a meticulous account of what she did and why. There's just one problem. Belinda never signed it. So that's one of the reasons we have to keep an open mind as to whether what it says here is the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. But it's still crucial information much of which we're able to corroborate using our sources and the documents included in the annexes. And that unsigned statement has an incredible story to tell. Since about October 2010, I was a covert agent 
informant for the State Security Agency. My identifying number with SSA was known to me as 5332. This needs an explanation. The statement is saying that before Belinda became a spy for BAT, she was already an informant for the South African State Security Agency, or SSA. It's the local equivalent of the UK's MI5, and an important character in this story. My role with SSA centred on the tobacco industry. I was not trained for the role. For a considerable period of the relationship with SSA, I held the conviction that I was on the side of right and justice. I was party to operations and efforts that I believed to be legally sanctioned. According to the document, her handler at the state security agency, who she refers to as Mr X, wanted to use her position as an attorney at a number of small tobacco manufacturers to gain information about illicit activity in the tobacco industry. The statement has another big claim. In the last episode, we heard that Belinda was the chairman of an organisation called the Fair Trade Independent Tobacco Association, or FETA, which represents the smaller local players in the South African tobacco scene. Now the statement says this was not what it seemed. In June 2012, I initiated the Fair Trade Independent Tobacco Association, FETA, in conjunction with SSA and attracted further tobacco manufacturers to my legal practice. FETA was intended to be a conduit for SSA and law enforcement agencies to understand the tobacco industry and the smaller, local manufacturers and whether any impropriety was being conducted. What Belinda's saying here is that FETA was at least in part actually set up by the spooks at the state security agency as a means to spy on the smaller local tobacco manufacturers, a number of which they suspected might be involved in illegal activities like smuggling and tax avoidance. These companies were BAT's rivals in South Africa. I believed at the time that the first meeting of FITA was recorded and surveyed by the SSA, but have subsequently been advised that Mr X had allegedly used BAT's equipment and resources for this purpose. I was not aware of this at the time. So according to this, not only did the state security agency allegedly bug FETA's inaugural meeting, it also might have used British American Tobacco's equipment to do it. It's an extraordinary claim. If true, it would suggest a pretty close relationship between British American Tobacco and the spooks at the security agency. It appears Belinda believed that it was their seemingly close relationship which led her to become a spy for BAT. My relationship with BAT UK came about as a result of my identity being exposed. Once my identity had been exposed, it made me vulnerable and I certainly felt beholden to them to keep my identity secret. Belinda says in her unsigned statement that over the course of 2012, she was becoming increasingly worried. She wanted out. She said that she sought on numerous occasions from Mr X to terminate our relationship or to deal with an exit strategy from the tobacco industry in South Africa. Mr X proved incompetent and or unwilling to do so. Things all came to a head one evening in October 2012 when Mr X arrived on Belinda's doorstep. In or around October 2012, and after numerous discussions and requests to Mr X for the SSA to terminate our relationship and assist with an exit strategy, Mr X came to my home one evening. 
Mr. X warned me that he himself was concerned with SSA's abilities to keep my identity protected and that perhaps it was time to move to BAT as part of their intelligence network as they would be best able to provide me with an eventual exit strategy. The way the statement tells it, Belinda felt like she had little choice but to work for BAT. She says that her role as an informant meant that she felt under threat and that Mr. X a spook for the state security agency, could no longer guarantee her security. Spying for BAT was, she says, the only way she could feel safe. This is a really crucial point, and it's one that's kind of hard to understand. Why couldn't the state security agency protect Belinda? Was she telling the whole truth here? It's hard to say. And despite our best efforts, we've not been able to speak directly with Belinda. She's pretty hard to talk to these days. But there's something else in the document. It says that her dealings with Mr X at the security agency had become increasingly fraught. By this time, my relationship with Mr X had deteriorated substantially. A relationship between a handler and informant is complex. A handler holds ultimate power as the person armed with secrets that could harm and embarrass the informant. An informant is beholden to the handler and, once compromised, is at the handler's mercy. I resented Mr. X and came to hate him. I was desperate to simply get away from him. So who is Mr. X? Well, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. Just kidding, obviously. What I can tell you is that Mr. X is very real. He really did work for the state security agency. And he really was Belinda's handler. More than that, though, we only have the account of what transpired between the two of them in this unsigned witness statement. But if correct, it paints a very different picture of her supposed motives. She says she wasn't motivated by money to spy for BAT. She was doing it in order to protect herself and ultimately to escape from the situation she'd found herself in. Which is what led her to meet with the POM in London in room 205. And then, eight months later, the punch in the car park. I was assaulted in a planned attack near my offices. I was not badly hurt, but the incident caused me considerable psychological stress, not knowing the reason for the attack, especially given the complexity of my life and role at the time. On a personal level, I was by this stage questioning all aspects of my role and the bona fides of my handlers. I did not see any way out and realised that BAT UK did not share my view of an exit. My role and access to information in the tobacco industry was of greater value to them. According to Belinda, neither the government nor BAT was willing to let her go. She felt trapped and in a dangerous situation. And she says she was becoming increasingly worried that what she'd been asked to do might have been illegal. It appears it's for this reason that she decided to blow the whistle, to expose the whole thing. Or at least that's what the document states. It's best to keep an open mind as to exactly what's motivated Belinda. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Got your happy price, price line. Let's go back to February 2014. It's five months after Belinda was assaulted outside her offices, just over a year since she met with BAT in London. It's summertime in Johannesburg, and Malcolm Rees, the young reporter from the South African Sunday Times, who we met in episode one, is relaxing at home. It is, after all, a Saturday. But Malcolm's about to get a phone call that he says changed his life forever. It sort of cost me my career, and in a completely bullshit way. We'll be telling you about that a little later in the series. But right now, Malcolm's about to be invited to a meeting at a cheap hotel on the rough side of town. That meeting was so pivotal in so many different ways that, it, and it's been written about and looked at and regurgitated so many times. What I do recall is being very hungover. <laughs> that is not what you want. That is not what you want for a meeting like that. I did, you, you know, like we're talking about the stress and stuff and it does build up over time and um, a barometer for that was how much whiskey I started drinking. I remember then having to shrug off all my plans to nurse my hangover and I went over to the hotel kind of little bit of gangster's paradise there. What did you know about what you were going to get into? I didn't know what I was going to get into. At the hotel, Malcolm finds Belinda waiting in the lobby. She sat at a table alongside a group of men. Two of them are tobacco moguls, directors of a company that Belinda had represented. One of them is Adriano Mazzotti. He's the director of a tobacco manufacturer called Carnalinx. Belinda had been, until recently, Mazzotti's attorney. He's also a member of FITA, the industry body which, it's claimed, was secretly set up in conjunction with the South African state as a means of spying on the smaller tobacco firms. Mazzotti's the one who's arranged this meeting. According to Mazzotti, the night before, Belinda called him out of the blue. She phoned me one Friday night. She was crying. She phoned me at home. She said, I really need to see you. I need to speak to you. She seemed afraid. And I met her in a hotel lobby. And she just said, I've got something to tell you, but I want, I'd prefer it if there was a journalist. So Mazzotti, the tobacco mogul, gives Malcolm, the hungover journalist, a call. He tells him to get to the hotel as fast as he can. We were at one of the tables seated sort of in the back, in the quiet part of the lobby of a really what is a small hotel. And she just started, you know, spilling the beans or whatever, that she was an agent working for the intelligence structures, that she'd also been working for the British American Tobacco, that she'd been tasked with infiltrating the opposition to British American Tobacco, um, that there was some sort of cooperation between British American Tobacco and these intelligence structures and the government and the police. She claimed that the industry body itself had been established for the purpose of gaining information on its members, right? So it's like kind of crazy sci-fi spy movie kind of stuff but it wasn't just that that you know it was that and that she'd been working for the government and that she'd been paid by BAT in these these different ways it's a lot of crazy stuff to hear in in a 45 minutes Malcolm's not the only one finding it hard to take all this information in here's Mazzotti I was horrified I was shocked I mean that was a serious shock for a company based in London that's, that's worth trillions of pounds to be that interested in what we're doing on a daily basis. 
to actually somehow recruit our attorney on record and somehow manage to, to get them to spy on us. It's like, it's, it's like out of a movie. It's like out of a, a novel. Malcolm recorded this meeting on his phone. He says he did so with Belinda's permission, although she denies this. We're still going to play it to you, though, because what Belinda has to say is of major public interest. The quality isn't great and there's a lot of background noise, but you can still make out what Belinda's saying. Here she is describing how allegedly close BAT and the state security agency were. The guy from BAT would WhatsApp me and the state guy would WhatsApp me. So it was... Correlated. You would always know. And then the state guy and the BAT guy spent a lot of time together. They would go for bras, they'd go to rugby. It's all this chummy chummy. A braai is South African slang for a barbecue. And, Belinda says, the SSA-BAT relationship went much deeper than just barbecues and rugby. Belinda also lays out the ways in which she says she's been paid by BAT, by Travelex cards, which help obscure the money trail. That in itself, she thinks, could be against the law. So they give me a card. He tells me, and I've got voice recordings, just two weeks ago, I made him talking to the microphone. In terms of the UK Bribery Act, it's illegal and I'll do it. Of course, it's for the authorities to decide whether any laws have been broken. But this is gold dust to an investigative journalist like Malcolm. Belinda says she's got a secret recording of her BAT handlers. Can we prove it? I've got the cards and I've got the conversation, yeah. Yeah. Rob, listen to the conversation. It's over 30 minutes long. BAT strenuously deny any wrongdoing. They point to the fact that the Serious Fraud Office investigated these claims and announced in January 2021 that there was insufficient evidence to proceed with any prosecutions. It's something we'll be coming back to later in the series. But for now, back to that secret recording. We're going to be listening to it after the break. You may remember from the last episode that Belinda first met with a man from BAT who she called the POM. Well, the POM is actually three people. An Englishman, a Scotsman and a Welshman. They were Belinda's BAT handlers. In order to prove that she really was covertly working for them, Belinda secretly recorded one of her BAT handlers, a man we're going to be calling the Welshman. Malcolm has a copy of the recording and he's passed it to us. Yeah, me. Okay, good. I, I, wish we, I wish we had time to catch up properly and Happy New Year and everything like that, but um, we'll, keep, we'll keep that for another time. It's January 2014, a few weeks before Belinda's meeting with Malcolm and Mazzotti, and Belinda is on the phone to the Welshman, her BAT handler at the time, and a senior member of BAT's anti-illicit team in London. He's part of the team... Belinda says, recruited her to spy for them. I need to ask you one question. You really need to answer it for me, good or bad. Have you told told anyone about our payments to you? Uh, Intimated that, you know, eventually we started paying you for, you know, the um, information. On the surface, the Welshman seems calm, but there's also a hint of nervousness. He wants the full picture, good or bad. But that's not what Belinda gives him. No, no, not at all. No one? No, no one. 
So it seems Belinda is trying to reassure the Welshman that their secret is safe. And for his part, the Welshman seems very keen to impress upon Belinda that the whole thing has been completely legal, nothing to see here. What I want you to know is, firstly, our arrangement is purely above board this side and everything else, and it's purely above board that side, um, because it was for which is not illegal, to pay you for information in exchange of all the good information and the criminal activity which was then subsequently passed to the South African authorities, yeah? Yeah. So there's no, there's no nefarious activity on our part here. So what's the problem? Why would it matter if Belinda had talked? But that man in that office is trying to make out something that there was nefarious activity. That's a really crucial point, so it's worth repeating what the Welshman just said there. That man in that office is trying to make out that there was nefarious activity. Like, he is aware that you got payments from us. How? And, right, hold on, and he's got a name, yeah? And the name is... The guy you went to dinner with me in London with. What do you mean a name? I'm confused now. He's got a first name, yeah? Of a guy who you went to dinner with in London. Think clearly now, yeah? Yes, yes. This is 100%, yeah? He has got a name, which is not me. It's the name of the guy that we had dinner with. Yes. and also linked to the card. One of the things I notice as I listen to this call is how the tone changes. At the start, the Welshman sounds quite breezy, and then as the call goes on, he appears to get more and more tense. He seems to be especially anxious about the Travelex cards that Belinda's being paid with, and that somebody might have worked out whether a name at BAT's head office could be linked to the cards. Are they linked to the cards? You took the money from the cards, yeah? No, I know, but I don't know in whose name the cards is. Say again? I said I know, but I've never known in whose name the cards are. I assumed in yours. I mean, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying to you. There's no way that man's name could be known because they're not linked to anything. Okay. So, I'm, I'm a bit confused. That's why I asked you the question. Well, yeah, we all are. That's why I asked you the question at the start because this is all I know now as well. The bit that seems to worry the Welshman is that someone, that man in that office, knows what's going on. And the man in that office is trying to make out that what BAT's been up to might in some way have been nefarious. More than that, the Welshman suggests that the man in the office knows that Belinda is being paid. He knows the name of someone she's been meeting with, a very senior person at BAT whose name is linked to the Travelex card payments. So the Welshman is concerned that someone has been spilling the beans. 
he's keen to impress on Belinda that careless talk can have serious consequences. We will never reveal who we pay because of the nature of the business could endanger individuals, yeah? Yeah. Because it would be so unprofessional, it would be just life, you know, threatening, dangerous in some sense. But I fear someone else has been talking. How does the Welshman know that someone's been talking? He seems to have gotten hold of some intelligence and is determined to get to the bottom of it. Only you, of all the pieces of that jigsaw, how could they link those withdrawals to you unless they followed you or something, you know? The Welshman is speculating that Belinda might have been spied on and followed. After all, she's the only one with all the pieces of the jigsaw. How else could that man in that office know so much about her? Good heavens. Belinda's feigning surprise here because she knows the reality. She knows who that man in that office is and how it is that he knows so much about her relationship with BAT. So who is he? I suspect in this instance they're discussing me. Meet Johan van Lockenberg. He's a former chief investigator at the South African Revenue Service, or SARS. They're a government body responsible for collecting taxes. In his younger days, Johan was an undercover cop, busting bank robbers and drug dealers. Well, I'm one of the characters that you can't avoid if you want to tell the story. In 2014, when this recording took place, Johan was investigating BAT as part of a confidential probe called Project Honey Badger. And in his opinion... The evidence he was collecting indicated it was likely there had been serious wrongdoing. The evidence, in my view, is completely indisputable. Completely. BAT strenuously denies this. So, the Welshman is right to be worried about Johan. And he's right to be concerned about Belinda. Because Belinda was turning the tables on BAT... She's liaising with Johan, and she's secretly recording this conversation, seemingly to help him collect evidence of BAT's spy network and their plot to infiltrate their competitors. BAT say the aim of their activities was to combat the illicit trade of cigarettes and to assist the fight against organised crime. But Johan van Lochrenberg was ready to try to put that claim to the test. He and his team of financial investigators were planning to take BAT on. And with Belinda's help, they might just win. That's coming up next time on Smokescreen. Smokescreen is a podcast from the Bureau of Investigative Journalism for Audi, produced by Novel. It was produced and written by Tom Wright. It was researched and investigated by me, Victoria Hollingsworth, Matthew Chapman and Malcolm Rees. Our executive producers were Max O'Brien, Myrian Jones, Rachel Oldroyd, David Medell, Owen Bennett-Jones and James Ball. Our fact-checkers were Alice Milliken and Frankie Goodway. It was mixed and edited by Alex Portfelix. been enjoying smokescreen please don't forget to like comment and share this podcast apparently it helps other people hear about it 